1: Welcome to another exciting edition of Unite IE Radio. The radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. And where every week we give thanks, as Will Rogers did, that we do not get all of the government we pay for. Oh, God. That would be be a disaster
2: because everything that's happening right now. It is amazing what's unfolding back in uh, Washington, D.C., Greg. The political left is apoplectic about everything that's going on. I did. I took a moment this week to watch MSNBC a couple of different times. Sorry to that. Sorry I, you had to do that. I had to get special gear to watch it. I had to be inoculated. All they talked about, everything emulated from this Donald Trump tweet, every conversation that they had emulated from the tweet about, you know, being wiretapped by the Obama administration and how unhinged he must be and i got to thinking as i watched the difference between what was unfolding on msnbc cnn and uh fox and a couple of other um you know networks that this tweet was masterful oh it was
1: it was masterful it turned they they had this whole russia meme going on on against donald trump and there were variations on that was been the theme for months and he turned it Against them. Yep. And rightfully so. I mean, it, it is outrageous that the administration is spying on the political campaign of the other party, and then distributing the information widely in the government, and then leaking the information yep. to the press. And they, someone went back and found a tweet from the Hillary Clinton campaign back during the fall. They were leaking the information to the Hillary Clinton campaign. Well, We have unearthed a clip, thanks to you,
2: that really clarifies what's going on in Washington, D.C. And it's of Monica Crowley on The Hannity Show this week. It was Tuesday evening. And she, of course, was attacked by the left. We'll tell you a little bit about what happened to her. But let's hear, in her words, what's actually unfolding in this country right now. Uh, so you were going to go to the administration, you got viciously attacked, and by the mm-hmm. way you're not the only one, it's Bannon, it's Reince, it's Kellyanne, it's uh, Steve Miller, it's even Melania, and they're going after Jared, and they go after Ivanka, they even went after a ten-year-old kid. It's pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. Now they're going after Sebastian Gorka, which is ridiculous. But it seems that anyone around the president's getting attacked. And I wanted to give you a chance, because you hadn't been out there publicly, for personal and other reasons, mm-hmm. to, to respond to this.
3: Well, look, what happened to me was a despicable, straight-up political hit job, okay? It's been debunked. My editor has completely supported me and backed me up. There is a very toxic, and it's getting increasingly toxic, and poisonous atmosphere of personal destruction in Washington and the media. It's always sort of been there, but now it's at a whole different level. And this is exactly why smart and good people do not want to go into government service. I will tell you that nothing and nobody is ever going to stop me from speaking out on the issues I care about, about the future of this nation. There's also a really bigger point here, which is a lesson that I learned. Look at they that they I, Look that I learned. General Flynn. Well, and this, this is the bigger point in some ways i was something of the canary in the coal mine the attack on me was a test What happened to me, what happened to General Flynn, what has happened to Attorney General Sessions and others is all of a piece. There is a very dangerous and very effective destabilization campaign underway against this president, his administration, and his agenda. And what I hope that the president and his senior aides understand is that these forces are not just looking to delegitimize him. We often talk about that. Sure, they want to do that. They want to personally destroy him, destroy his presidency, and they would like to see the man in prison. I hope that the president understands I am not overstating this, having been a victim of this myself, they are out for blood, and the reason they have to destroy him is that Donald Trump is an alien organism that has been injected into the body politic by the American people to reform it. He must not be allowed to succeed. They have swarmed him, they have swarmed everybody around him in order. In order to reject him out of the the system just like any alien organism he must mm-hmm. not be allowed to succeed and I hope that everybody around him now understands that this is a war and that they started a long time ago but they will not end until they get the president of the United States
2: I, I totally agree with you by the way I want to say one thing we have a mutual friend Andy McCarthy I don't think you should answer any of these people's questions because they can go straight to hell that's my, my you know how I deal with stuff I don't care what anybody says
1: Very well stated as to what's going on. Uh, This is an all-out political war for the future of the country. The left thought, and the Democrats thought, they had it. They thought they were driving for the winning touchdown. Hillary Clinton was going to be president, four more years of open borders, and they were going to consummate their fundamental transformation of the country and make the entire country like California is politically. But Donald Trump interrupted that. Right, but they're not. But they're not. They're not going to give up. They're not going to give up. We are in the hardest phase of saving the country, making America great again. Easiest phase was getting the nomination for Trump. Second hardest phase was winning the election, and we barely did that. Now it's the hardest phase, and the establishment, the ruling class, and all of their elements in government and out of government are going to do everything they can legally and probably illegally to keep the country for themselves and prevent the people, the movement that elected Donald Trump, from reestablishing control over their country.
2: Well, and that's a primary reason why there's a call for investigations right now on Capitol Hill, because when you talk about legally and illegally, you know, I'm fine with the legal landscape. I'm fine with let's duke it out. You know, let's let the, uh, you know, let's duke it out on the ideological landscape. But the illegal part, the part of illegally leaking committing felonies leaking these top these classified uh, documents of conversations like as in the case with uh, General Flynn as in the case of the conversations between President Trump and the Australian and the Italian president as in the case of other conversations that have been uh, leaked by someone on in the left her analogy of and uh, Donald Trump being an alien organism injected into the body politic by the American people in order to take back this country, I think is one of the most uh, accurate, uh, you know, little sentences about what is going on. And what we're seeing is a pushback, both in terms of the deep state, you know, those people that are embedded in the government that have a desire to keep the status quo direction going, they want to turn the world into a, you know, a, a global uh, government. Um, they want a borderless, you know, destroy national our national sovereignty. The second thing is, of course, you know, you got the Obama. Group out there. You've got organizing for America now as it's uh, been reconstituted. You've got this indivisible movement now that's been organized by congressional, former congressional staffers. There are so many elements, and of course, the media. And then, as we're going to talk about later in the show coming up, what's going on in college campuses. All of this stuff is being challenged now, and we're beginning to see the left react, in some cases, violently, and in some cases,
1: illegally. Absolutely. And it's even broader than that. You have the establishment Republicans. They're not too keen on, I mean, they may not be able to openly oppose Donald Trump at this point, but they're not too keen on the people regaining control of the government and changing how things are in Washington. Yeah, a lot of big businesses want things like they are. You have labor unions, the bureaucracy, as you mentioned, the government-run schools, the international, the globalist class, George Soros. Yeah, they're all, they all like things how they were, with America in decline, with open borders. They don't want the people in charge. And those are all arrayed against Donald Trump. And how often do we say the people, the the most important political office is private citizen? Donald Trump isn't going to win this by himself. Right. No, not at all. It's only, it's only if, the, if, the, if we, the people, back him up will we be able to save this country and regain control of our government. Absolutely. We need to take a quick break right now. Honor our sponsor for this half hour. We will be back after a message from Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, both residential and commercial. Back after this.
4: Hey, Larry Elder here. Now, if you're a homeowner thinking about refinancing or you'd like to be a homeowner and aren't sure where to start, call my friend Ed Hoffman at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Rates are great right now. And from what Ed tells me, there are a lot of great opportunities out there in real estate. You need a lender you can count on, and I can vouch for Ed. He'll deal with you straight and advise you like you're part of the family. Just give Ed a call at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. I know, Ed, he's a good guy who'll talk to you like a friend and won't make you feel like you've just walked into a shark tank. Now is the time to buy or refinance. Give my friend Ed Hoffman a call at Wholesale Capital Corporation. Again, 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or visit him online, wccloans.com. 855
0: 640 2020. AM 590,
3: The Answer. This is Assemblywoman Melissa Melendez urging you to tune in to Unite IE Radio every Saturday afternoon at 4 p.m. on AM 590, The Answer.
2: Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, the radio show for the most important political office, that of private citizen. Greg. Up this week was Obamacare. We've been waiting and waiting and waiting for the announcement that we're going to get into the repeal and replace. Uh, Of Obamacare. What is your take about what's unfolded this week so far in terms of this plan that has been advanced by the GOP? You got Paul Ryan. You got the uh, Conservative Caucus, the Freedom Caucus pushing back on it. There's four different organizations, including the one that you're affiliated with, Tea Party Patriots. I saw Jenny Beth Martin emerging from the White House. I guess she, along with a couple of other uh,
1: heads of these think tanks, Heritage Action and, and Club for Growth, another and other conservative organizations came out. came out against the plan almost immediately. And so, the, did they have a meeting
2: directly with uh, Trump or someone in his administration? They did.
1: They did. And the idea, he's probably open to uh, revisions and 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 uh, trying to uh, change the plan to generate more support. And this is this is going to be difficult to do because. You don't, they don't have a lot of margin for error. When the Democrats did this and muscled it through, when they have they have greater control over their over their members, it took them you know, into 2010. It took them more than a year before they were finally able to 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 muscle through a plan. And the Republicans have smaller majorities now than the Democrats did in 2009. I certainly don't seldom agree with John Boehner, the former House Speaker, a very establishment guy and a very and. Even questionable how much he was on the conservative side, but he, he he said two weeks ago he says that the Republicans were not going to repeal Obamacare and replace it because the Republicans would not be able to agree among themselves on a replacement and 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 what to do, and it's even and it's even closer in the Senate. They only have fifty two votes in the Senate, so even if you do something on what's called reconciliation, where they can't filibuster, the Democrats can't filibuster. You still only can you can only lose, two senators, and then Mike Pence can cast a, a tie-breaking tie-breaking vote as the vice president. You lose three senators on either on the right, and already Ted Cruz, Mike Lee, Marco Rubio, and Rand Paul have come out against the plan. Now, there's four right there, but if you go conservative way, you may lose liberal Republican senators, mm-hmm. or you may lose some in the, you know, some in the middle. So that, they, for example, Newt Gingrich was on Hannity. Uh, during this past week. And I was saying that Senator Portman is very, care, very cares much about opioid abuse. Opioid, it's easy for me to say, abuse. So if that's not adequately addressed, he may lose his vote. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be hard to cobble together something that's going to have at least 50 Republican senators. Then, of course, you can only repeal or you can only replace through reconciliation parts Right. Of Obamacare, you can't do it all because some of that is needs legislation subject to filibuster. Unless the Republicans do what I've been what I've urged them to do, is just get rid of the filibuster altogether. Then you pa- you, you, you then you put together your ideal health care plan, pass it, and then stand behind it because once the Republicans pass something, they now own it, and the mainstream media will then blame, rightly or wrongly, every single problem. From that day forward, in the the American healthcare system, on the Republicans, right, and most of the Republicans can't stand up to the media. Only Donald Trump and a few others can really stand up to the media. So, so it it, it, it's it's going to be a tough situation. And I think uh, Tom Price, the new Secretary of HHS, he said that it is an evolving situation, an evolving item. So this what Ryan put out is not going to be the final right word on the subject so we'll see we'll see what 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 they, what they can do with it you may very well need to do this is if you can't pass something is you, you you just okay we have the current system we have obamacare it's falling apart insurance companies are leaving it's losing money the um enrollment is down premiums are going way up uh, average of 25% for this year some some states more than 100% Huge, huge deductibles that make many of these plans unusable. Restricted networks, and Trump says, "Here's my proposal." He doesn't pass. Next year, when it's, when Obamacare is even worse, there may be more political support for doing something. So that may, that may that may end up having to be the strategy. But I would rather pass something that's right than pass something quickly. Well, here's part of the problem, I
2: think, too, with the American people. Um, The, they don't get, and nor do I. I mean, I'm not, you know, I I don't get all of the, if you imagine this to be like a croquet course. I don't get all the wickets that the ball of repeal and replace has to be knocked through, which are all of these rules that they have to deal with between Congress and the Senate. So that's why they've laid out this three-phase plan and why they have to do it through, as you were saying, reconciliation, because they can't put something. This has to be done inside of a format that allows it to go to the Senate.
1: So that it doesn't have to be done the typical way a bill would be done, right? Reconciliation is spending and taxes, so, right? So a large part of Obamacare is spending and taxes. So some of that, some of that can be done, and the Democrats passed part of Obamacare under reconciliation, right? But some of the underlying parts of the legislation. So, for example, if they wanted to repeal the community rating, or if they wanted to repeal, uh, or they wanted to allow cross. In selling in interstate insurance. interstate. Right. That would require a, a legislation, a, a statute. And that is subject to filibuster right. at the present time. Yep. So
2: so I mean I don't know. I, I, I think the biggest the biggest thing that's creating this problem is the mandate. And the mandate is going to be repealed. The biggest problem are the taxes. They're a part of this. The taxes are going to be repealed. The other, I can't remember the third,
1: but there's basically three elements of this that are going to be right. repealed. The, the Ryan Bill would repeal the individual mandate and the employer mandate, and some, but not all, of the Obamacare taxes. So that's good. Right. Strips. Then, oh, the other one is strips federal funding for abortion. Right. But then, but then they still have they then have these refundable tax credits, which means you get money back from the government even if you don't pay any income tax. So this is going to replace the current subsidies with a new set of subsidies. And you get that regardless of whether you signed up for health insurance or not.
2: Right. That's what I've that's what I've heard. So, right. and they need to do that because that gets away from the mandate. So, yeah, it's a crazy it's a crazy system. And I think that part of what I what I was starting to say is part of the problem are the expectations that have been set up for the American people because they've got this repeal and replace message out there. Most people think, okay, it's just simple. It's just repeal it and replace it. But it's not that simple, unfortunately, given the arcane way now that
1: Congress works. I and mean, then I mean, uh, Price was on Hannity this past week, and he was explaining the so-called three phase, that they'll, do, they'll pass the reconciliation bill he'll do new regulations. And the Obamacare bill gives a wide discretion to the secretary of HHS. So they can do some things there. Then they're going to have a, some legislation to follow that. And he never asked the question. I'm screaming at the television set. How are you going to pass this third phase, the legislation, with the filibuster? You can't. But they... But. He didn't, he didn't ask the question, and you know, sometimes it's frustrating. I'm sure you experience the same thing as, ask him this. Yeah, we don't have two-way
2: TVs yet. <laughs> right. Well, the CIA does, apparently. Let's talk about some of the leaks. <laughs> that, that's,
1: that's another story. And the
2: CIA stuff on the next segment. This is the United IE radio program. We're going to take a break
1: for a word from our sponsor here. Ed Hoffman of Wholesale Capital Corporation, the place to go for your real estate lending needs, residential and commercial. Back after this.
4: Hi, this is Ed Hoffman, President, Wholesale Capital Corporation, your local direct mortgage lender. We've been serving our community with personalized homeownership solutions for over 26 years with offices in Merino Valley, Temecula, Corona, Downey, Westlake Village, and Covina to service all of Southern California and Arizona. Today, we are experiencing excellent conditions in real estate and real estate financing. Interest rates are as low as they've ever been in our history, and real estate prices have come way up from the lows of 2010. If you've purchased a house in the last several years, there's a great chance that today your equity position is much better and available interest rates are much lower, two factors that spell opportunity for you. If you want to find out what this means to you, and you want to talk to a lender who will give you straightforward, honest direction towards an option that's best for you, call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020, and listen to my show, The Main event, Saturday, 9.30 a.m. and 9 o'clock p.m. And again, Sunday mornings at 8 a.m. Right here on AM 590, The Answer. Licensed
5: by California DRE, broker license number 01147747, and California Financers Lenders license number 603-K610. Licensed by the California Department of Business Oversight number 603-K610, and MLS
0: 9873. AM 590,
1: The Answer. Welcome back to Unite IE Radio, where like Rush Limbaugh, we have our talent is on loan from God. Although we got ours from the micro loan department, the the what the the what mi, department? The micro loan department. Micro, it's
2: a very small amount of talent. A very small
1: loan. loan of talent.
2: <laughs> I was wondering how to weave that in talent. I love some of the things that he says. Uh, where we, we something about we lay out the news before the news figures out what the news is. I mean, he's got some. He's got some great. Uh, he's got some great stuff. God bless Rush Limbaugh. Um, I know that the people on the left don't wouldn't agree with that yeah. but
1: my, well my, you know, my cell phone is, hit, is sitting here so just in case the cia is listening in we really like you guys over there in langley we, we think you're doing a great job how about that WikiLeaks, you know comes out with what 86
2: 8900 do- documents uh from the cia do you think that some heads were uh twisting off in langley this week when WikiLeaks announced that they had uh, released that, and well, I, I hear they have more too.
1: Yeah, supposedly only one percent of yep. of the of the documents that they have have thus far been, have thus far been published. And you know, whatever you may think, think of, of WikiLeaks, is uh, they've never been shown to be wrong. Exactly right. Whatever their bias is, and whatever they're trying to accomplish, they've never been shown to be wrong.
2: Well, the most intriguing thing is what has been has, has surfaced out of this so far is a program by the uh, CIA called Umbridge, and this has gotten a lot of play this week because Umbridge is a protocol of uh, surveillance that leaves behind fingerprints that l- lead whoever is analyzing the breach, the security breach, to come to the conclusions that it was Russia. That did the breach. That did the surveillance, and I think that's particularly interesting given what we're dealing with here in the uh, you know current political environment. Of course, the left is loving to say that you know the election was lost by uh, because of the Russian hacking of the DNC and the Podesta email accounts, but the reality of it is is that there there could have been people in the CIA. That were that that had many reasons to have retribution on Hillary Clinton,
1: or there could have been people outside the CIA or former people that uh, right that, that use some of these same techniques. So if if the CIA has this ability, uh, one would suspect that other nations and maybe even private hackers and, and private individuals would also have this ability right. to make it look like it
2: was the Russians that hacked it because a lot of the. A lot of there was a uh, an article that was first written by Wired magazine where they uh, broke the news about the group that went in to analyze the DNC and the Podesta hacks, and they said that in those in analyzing that there were fingerprints of Russian hackers that uh, that they identified as I don't know it was like little bear and big bear or something bear. Uh, two different um hacks my my
1: my program is too hot. <laughs> my program is too cold.
2: <laughs> my program was <is> just right
1: <laughs> that 's obviously a call
2: back to uh yeah. the porridge
1: uh, but, but, but getting, a, getting a little more seriously that, and that that is disputed there was a great Bar- Breitbart article this week in which they 're having a house hearing in which they 've only invited the Democrats that this firm the Democrat hire to analyze to come and testify. But there's other Allen analysts that think that uh, that's, that it wasn't the Russians. And uh, Tony Schaefer was on uh, Fox News this past week and says he, his information is that, that this was done by former intelligence people who did not want to see Hillary Clinton right. get elected. And they're the ones that hacked in and then released uh, the information. Yep. So it's by no means clear that, that it was the Russians trying to help Donald Trump. And the one thing that
2: is that is clear is that the tighter that the left clings to this Russian narrative when it finally does end up getting debunked, uh, they're going to destroy their credibility. Greg, I think every problem that we have in this country can be sourced back to the college campus. I know we disagree to to a degree about that. Ben Shapiro's made headlines appearing in college campuses across the country, most notably recently Cal State University L.A., He's going to be appearing at the University of Redlands, and we have the sponsor of that program, Young Americans Foundation, coming up next on Unite IE Radio to tell us about the organization and the Ben Shapiro event coming up on the 15th of March. Welcome back to the Unite Inland Empire radio program, where we promote the whole idea that the most important political office in the entire country
1: is that of private citizen. And we have someone on the line here who is trying to teach that lesson to the next generation of citizens and patriots.
2: Absolutely. There's an organization. There's a couple of them, but I think really the standout organization, you know, we talk a lot about, Greg. Uh, the importance uh, of understanding what it is that's happening on college campuses across the country. Every once in a while we see a fire erupt uh, like at Berkeley or recently at Cal State University, Los Angeles, where Ben Shapiro was speaking. But other than that, unless you've got kids or grandkids in college, you probably aren't aware of how much uh, frustration conservative Christian kids deal with on college campuses regarding the – environment that they're subjected to in terms of liberal progressive policies and ideas that they are diametrically opposed to
1: i mean i, I say it, it's like stepping onto a, a used ideology lot if you go into a used car lot your <laughs> your, your sales defenses are, are are at maximum right so the kids going into college need to have the same attitude because they are going to be get, try to get sold a used Ideology. That's a great idea. So, there's an organization out there
2: called the Young Americans Foundation, and they are establishing chapters, if you will, uh, outposts of freedom on college campuses all across the country. And we're pr- privileged right now to have one of the leaders of this organization, uh, Spencer Brown, on the phone with us to tell us a little bit about the organization and a very unique event that they have coming up that's going to be in the Inland Empire. Welcome to the show, Spencer.
6: Hey guys, thanks for so much for having me on. Well, it's our pleasure. Thank you so much for the work you do. So tell us tell oh, us our- Go ahead. It's our pleasure. Um, You know, Young America's Foundation, I appreciate your kind words about us, but we really are um, acting as the principal outreach organization of the conservative movement on these college campuses really from coast to coast and north to south. Um, We're sort of our blurb, our mission statement um, is that we're committed to ensuring that more and more young people across the country understand um, the principles of freedom uh, including a national defense, free enterprise, traditional values Um, and we see that these are really things that are missing on a lot of college campuses. So we go in, we give them the opportunity to sort of look past, um, you know, the used idea, used ideology lot, and see that there are better ideas that actually do work. <laughs> I, I anticipate
2: any day now we're going to see that analogy pop up on your website. <laughs> I like that. That's a very good one. It's, it's absolutely true, though. It is. It is indeed. So, so you go out to college campuses, you establish these outposts of freedom. What is the reception on the part of campus administration or student bodies? To the notion of establishing YAF outposts on, have you had any blowback? Has this been a difficult journey?
6: yeah it has been uh, a real heck of a thing really if you look um... you know sometimes these chapters are established on schools campuses um... where there's a little bit of a dust-up and people are kind of like oh wait there are young conservatives i think that's probably the most common reaction is people just don't even think that young people would possibly be conservative or would um... abide by those ideas but then on certain campuses um... you mentioned a few of them csula um... DePaul, marquette we've had uh... The administrations take action against our students and against the chapter, trying to withdraw funding from them uh, so that way they can't host events, trying to even deny them meeting space on these campuses. Um, and so that's where our years of expertise in the movement and everything allow us to come alongside these students and ensure that, as you call them, you know, out, outposts of freedom. I really like that, um, that they're able to be established and then be successful on their campuses.
1: Well, in some places, like Berkeley is a glaring example. There just happened in Middlebury College as well is they may grudgingly allow a conservative speaker, but then they stand back and let the leftist brown shirts use violence to shut down the event.
6: Yeah, exactly. I think a prime case of that was when we had Ben Shapiro at uh, California State University, Los Angeles, last year. Um, And we had several professors, the president, other faculty, um, taking part in encouraging students to near riots on the campus just because a conservative was being allowed to speak. Um, And so in the end, you have this situation where there's essentially a rioter's veto, which is, you know, against the First Amendment, unconstitutional. Um, And that was sort of the basis for our lawsuit that we... um, enacted against um, them and just recently that resolved and now they've changed their policy where they won't uh, enforce security fees based on viewpoints, and they won't uh, reject an event based on the viewpoint of the person speaking there. And so that's definitely one of those where we were able to go in, bring this YAP chapter to a campus. The students there have been incredibly brave um, in the face of all this, from their administration, their peers, everything else. Um, you know, now we've seen some positive change, where now the school is at least acknowledging, it remains to be seen if they'll follow their own rules now, but, um, you know, changing their policies to allow a diversity of ideas and a diversity of thought. It's- well,
2: it's crazy. You would think that on a college campus, and it's still so hard to get this square peg into my round head, that a college campus would be uh, w- would not be a place where diversity of thought would be welcomed. Uh, in fact, you mentioned Middlebury. You did have a professor of English there who, after that event, circulated a paper to get his... Uh, associate professors signatures on saying we decry what happened on our campus this is not the way it should be which was you know nice maybe maybe some of these progressive or liberal professors will start realizing how out of control this has
1: become i wouldn't count on it and, we, and by the way for if you're not familiar with it what happened in middlebury was charles murray was going to speak there and they didn't provide security the leftist protesters shut it down the event and as the pro- uh, Middlebury professor was escorting him to his car. She was attacked. Right. She was injured. She's in a neck brace now because of her injuries. And uh, the university security did nothing to uh, protect either of them or protect the event. So as far as I know, Spencer, you guys do a
2: couple of things on campuses. Obviously, you support students uh, in a, a basic work uh, to advance you know the ideas of, of, of freedom on campuses. What does that look like? What is the day-to-day life of your, of, of these chapters on campuses look like.
6: Yeah, it takes a couple different forms, I would say. Um, the really nice thing is our chapter network, the way it's set up, is it allows a lot of autonomy on the parts of these chapters. Um, and so they're able to respond to different events that are happening on their campuses specifically. So whether that's um, you know a leftist campus hosting sort of this parade of liberal speakers where they have people like Angela Davis come in and speak and all this stuff, they can respond to that specifically on their campus. Um, or if they're enacting free speech zones or things that would suppress student speech, they can react to that positively. Um, but then we also have a number of nationwide activism initiatives that we do every year um, across the country. And sometimes it's more than just our chapters, but it's sort of the core um, annual events that our chapters do. And one of those, probably the most iconic one, uh, is the 9-11 Never Forget Project that we started back in 2003. Um, And that is where uh, you put a small flag in the ground on your campus quad for each of the victims of the terror attacks of September 11, 2001. Um, and it sort of, um, you know, forces students as they're walking to class to take a step back and realize and remember what happened that day. Um, and it was started by Young America's Foundation in response to uh, schools saying that remembrance of 9-11 was Islamophobic or was being stuck in the past or these crazy accusations that we shouldn't remember all of the innocent lives that were taken um, because it wouldn't be politically correct to do so. Um, I'd say that's probably the most iconic activism initiative that we have. We also have Freedom Week to remember the fall of the Berlin Wall um, and the triumph of freedom brought about by President Reagan Um, and a number of other days. We have a No More Che Day. Um, where we celebrate the day that uh, Che was finally captured and uh, remind people that Che is not some hero. He's not, you know, just some hippie with a guitar and a motorcycle. This was a mass murderer who, you know, was, was nothing good. And so we have all these events to help um, start conversations on these campuses to remind students of the history of the left. Uh, sometimes that's often, you know, painted in very rosy colors by their professors um, while ignoring the bad parts of sure. leftist history. How yeah. about,
1: do you try to promote diversity in the faculty? Is there anything, that can be done there? Do you and do you do do you do anything in that regard? Because it's almost it's either liberal to leftist with a very very small smattering of any conservatives.
6: No, you're absolutely right. Um, And thanks to that fun little thing called tenure, as I'm sure you know, it's very hard to enact any change at that level. And it's kind of, you know, it's all up to the school and the administration and their board and everything else. Um, But we do do a lot of work towards holding faculty and professors and administrators accountable. Um, And we have a report we release every year called Comedy and Tragedy. Um, And we go through the course catalogs for the number of school conferences. We do Ivy League. We do Top Ten as ranked by U.S. News and World Report. We do the SEC. um, And we go through their course catalogs and we look and just find the most outrageous classes that you can't even believe are offered because you'd be like, you've got to be kidding me. There's no way that that is actually a class that people are paying money for um, and then taking. And so that's one way that we sort of look and say, hey, this professor got this much research funding to teach a class um, on the specificity of anti-blackness or something like that. Um, And so that's one way we hold them accountable. Uh, We also do a lot of exposing uh, professors whenever they persecute conservative students uh, that might disagree with them in class or out side of class, especially. Um, and we've we've noticed a trend, oddly enough. This happened last year during the 9-11 Never Forget Project. There's a certain breed of professor that prefers purple colored hair. Um, and they tend to be especially intolerant of conservatives. And we had a couple instances where a professor at Saddleback College down there tore right. um, up all of the 9-11 uh, memorial posters that were up remembering the victims of terrorism worldwide. Um, and it's just been It's been very uh, interesting to see what they'll do when they think they can get away with it. But then it's our job to step up. Thanks to our student network, they bring all these things to us and say, hey, this doesn't seem right, and we say... No, that's not right. Let's you know, get it on the news and let's show the world who these people are. And uh, more often than not, they sort of, these professors vanish from their school's uh, faculty pages pretty quickly.
1: Let's take a quick break here. Then you can tell us about this great event you're going to have with Ben Shapiro at the University of Redlands uh, coming up next week. Time for a word from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident, because they are truly the kings of rock and roll. I'm back
5: after this.
4: On AM 590,
1: The Answer. Welcome back to Unite, i.e. radio, the radio show for the most important political office, that of the private citizen. We're talking to Spencer Brown from the Young Americans, uh, Young Americans for Freedom. The Young, Americans Fou- mm, yeah. the Young Americans Foundation, which sponsors Young Americans for Freedom chapters at universities. And you have a great event coming up at the University of Redlands next week with Ben Shapiro. Tell us about that.
6: Yeah, we do. Um, we're really excited. This is a uh, campus lecture tour with Ben Shapiro that we've been doing back since all of the controversy happened at Mizzou, actually, going on you know a year and a half ago. Okay. Um, we've had him all over the country, and he's headed sort of back to his own backyard, to your backyard, to the University of the Redlands. Um, it's uh, coming up pretty quick here, so it's next Wednesday, uh, March 15th. It's going to be held at uh, 7 p.m., um, and I believe the specific venue is the Memorial Chapel there on campus.
2: Yes, yes. the Memorial Chapel. And I think there's a, for, for non students, uh, people that want to wander onto the campus and attend, there's like a $10 admission fee at the
1: door, correct? $10 admission fee at yeah. the door. You can right. buy tickets online or you can buy tickets at the door.
2: Okay. Very good. We'll post up that to our Unite IE Facebook page where people can get tickets. What typically happens? I mean, you know, what is what, what happens at a Ben Shapiro lecture? Why is he one of your uh, sort of go-to people? And maybe you can also share who some of the other people are that you circulate through college campuses in similar sorts of
4: events.
6: Yeah, so uh, Ben Shapiro lecture, he has become especially popular um, with students across the country um, just because of his directness and his witty criticism that he's able to provide for the left on any given campus. Um, And so he sort of has, you know, where he runs through, these are the common myths that the left tries to push on you. So it starts with microaggressions, it includes um, uh, gender identity, weird alternative pronouns like Z and Zer and whatever else you can come up with this week. Um, And... Honestly, I think probably as a student, when I attended lectures, and I think for a lot of these students, the most sort of exciting part of it is the question and answer period that comes after the main lecture, because um, this is a time where these leftist students who have just sat there through the whole thing, and they're all hot and bothered, and they think, you know, I've got the question that Ben Shapiro has probably never heard, and I'm going to be the one to stump him. <laughs> so they get, up, they get up to the microphone, and they introduce themselves as some dissenting leftist member of who knows what, um, and they ask a question, and Ben just absolutely destroys it, because there's nothing Ben hasn't heard um, from sure. the left at this point. And just to see the look on the students' face, to see the look on the other students' faces, they're like, yep, that's exactly how you refute that statement. Um, And so what what these events do is really give students um, the ability to come out and gather with like-minded conservatives, See uh, somebody take on the left in a bold fashion, and then they are emboldened. They have new keys and tools that they can use in their own uh, day to day lives on campus. Um, And it's sort of this rallying cry for we are conservatives, we are not alone, there's nothing wrong with us. Um, You know, and that's part of why Young America's Foundation has been growing even more so as this insanity grows on campus. There becomes more and more a need to rally for bold action as conservatives. There's the time for sort of sitting there and letting it happen has gone by. And so now it's when all this action is happening that we really see conservatives. And young conservatives especially taking sort of taking up the mantle of William F. Buckley and Ronald Reagan again and carrying it forward into the next generation.
1: Now at the University of Rutland, they they are fighting back against Ben Shapiro. They have they, some of the faculty and the and the lefty students, they've they've organized a dance party of resistance
6: for oh, the night. They,
1: Stand they back. sure have. Yeah. yeah. That
6: was that's got to be a new one. That, I've I've heard of a lot of protests. A lot I've, we've had um, we had an event with Dinesh D'Souza. I think it was at Gonzaga University in Washington, um, and they had like a poetry reading to try to protest it and to you know have a safe space for people. But I think a dance party of resistance. This is the first I've heard of that sort of thing. So um, it it will be interesting to see how many people they come out for it. I think when we checked yesterday, they had about 80 people had RSVP'd to it. Um, But the interesting thing is there were two uh, staff members from the University of Redlands who had commented, one saying that they were, quote, so very excited for this, um, and the other saying, quote, sounds amazing. And so it's, it's interesting to see these uh, staff members feeling free to just say how excited they are to dance in resistance to a diversity of thought or just, you know, one conservative coming to campus.
2: Dude, I have not been to a good dance in a while. I think I just might attend their event and have and be, be a part of the dance-off. That sounds mm. like fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, you, you, should, you should see Don's moves on the dance floor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a scary thing, and uh, maybe I would trigger a few people on the dance floor. So when Ben comes out to the University of Redlands, is there going to be a trigger warning posted? Do you typically do that? No. I mean, do you warn?
6: <laughs> I think, you know, it's kind of a joke, the but... students the benefit of the doubt, and we say, hey, we trust you as adults um, in a higher education setting to be able to handle an idea that maybe you don't agree with. Right. Whether the left can abide by, you know, that general logic remains to be seen, and usually they don't, um, but, yeah, we, we don't think you need to uh, handhold college students or give them bubbles, Play-Doh, coloring books, whatever the theme of the day might be.
2: Well, I have often on this program said that I think ground zero for every major problem in our country can be traced back to the campus, both primary and secondary education. Greg would disagree; he thinks it's immigration.
1: No, I well, think immigration is important, but I think the problems go back to the, also to the culture, and the, the, that you get that cult, that cultural is the is the beginning of it, and it's then reinforced. Now, negative, it used to be reinforced positively in the education system and developing an American ideal an American uh, culture and uh, consciousness, but now it's the opposite. So the culture is now reinforced by the education system, primary, secondary, and in college to be an anti-American and to change, and, and uh, in Obama's words, fundamentally change the country. So there's a
2: couple of ways folks can
1: support your organization,
2: I'm sure, Spencer. Uh, The organization has a website, www.yaf.org. And so there's places there that you can learn about the organization. You can also contribute to the organization. You're, You're more than willing to accept financial contributions, correct?
6: Yes, uh, we are extremely grateful for the generous uh, supporters that allow us to continue this work on campuses and put on student conferences all over the country um, and bring these speakers to these college campuses.
2: So people can make donations. They can also come out next week to hear Ben Shapiro at the University of Redlands Wednesday evening, 7 o'clock, right? 7 o'clock. And then uh, also, you know, this website, you know, gives you a glimpse into YAF. You have quite a history. And I noticed when we were talking to you off, uh, when we were calling you uh, offline, you feature Ronald Reagan's speeches as your on-hold quote-unquote music. Tell us about the unique connection that this organization has to Ronald Reagan.
6: Yeah, absolutely. It's a connection that we're extremely proud of. Um, You know, President Reagan, uh, before he was president, his political rising was tied actually very closely with Young Americans for Freedom, um, which was founded in 1960 in William F. Buckley's home in Sharon, Connecticut. Um, And from that time on, that group was founded. uh, They Created a document called the Sharon Statement, which kind of enshrines the modern uh, tenets of the conservative movement. Um, and among those things were strong national defense, opposition to communism, that sort of thing. Um, and then throughout, uh, you know, after Reagan, whenever he started doing uh, GE uh, radio and TV okay. shows, um, the values that he was espousing were very much the same values that uh, Young Americans for Freedom were fighting for on campuses. Um, and then when he ran for governor, Young Americans for Freedom was there to support him and helped him and turned out uh, the youth vote. Um, and then when Whenever he ran for president, uh, it was generally considered that at the convention, it was the Young Americans for Freedom who really rallied support um, around him. And when he won the nomination, I believe it was a Washington Post ran a story saying that Reagan's victory is Yaf's victory. Um, and throughout his presidency, um, President Reagan did, uh, he was very generous and hosted our uh, national summer conference every summer is in D.C., and he hosted our conference at the White House every summer that he was uh, there in the White House. Wow. Um, so we've got this connection that goes really from the time he was just starting out through his presidency, um, and then in 1998, Uh, when President and Mrs. Reagan decided to sell his beloved Rancho del Cielo in Santa Barbara there up in the mountains, um, we, Young America's Foundation, stepped forward and purchased the ranch. And so now we preserve it as essentially a schoolhouse for Reaganism up there on the mountain, just exactly the way it was. Wow. um, Preserved just pristinely. The lake is still there, the lawn, the cabins, everything, the Secret Service outpost. Um, So now we use that as a way to teach students about President Reagan and who he was as a person. Um, And so we actually have a high school conference coming up there Um, Next weekend, we'll be up there with over 100 high school students to learn about President Reagan and his values and sort of continue on the mission that he felt was so important, which was uh, educating and inspiring young people.
1: And you certainly have your work cut out for you, because if you looked at only 18 to 25 year olds voted in the last election, Hillary Clinton would have won with more than 500 electoral votes. (laughs) <laughs>
2: yeah, you do have your work cut out for you, and thank you so much for being uh, a part of this effort, uh, for being a great leader there at Young America's Foundation, and for uh, you know ha- put, put it, getting your fingerprints uh, into this community out here in the Inland Empire uh, with a chapter on a University of Redlands, ably managed by a couple of great students there. We featured them at a number of meetings that we've had out here, and appreciate your work. And folks, you can go to yaf.org. Uh, Help them out with a donation. If you have student, uh, if you have grandchildren or children that are in these universities around the country, uh, you can get them to help spread the word about YF, maybe get a chapter set up and uh, connect them uh, with Mm -hmm. the website. Spencer, thank you so much for being with us and for taking part of your busy day to uh, spend with us here, not only to promote the Ben Shapiro event at University of Redlands, but to give us a great briefing
1: on the amazing work that you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Time for a word from All-Star Collision, the place to take your car when you have an accident because they are truly the kings of rock and roll.
5: Back after this. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is All-Star. For 20 years, Car Star All-Star Collision, and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is Car Star All-Star Collision. 951-279-9161. Welcome back to the
2: Unite Inland Empire radio program where we advocate for the most important political office in the country, that of private citizen, all of you folks out there listening to us trying to educate you about what you can do to continue this red wave that is sweeping over the country, stopping mostly at the California shores. But there's a lot of work that we can do. And there's a major event, our Keystone event of the year, that's coming up on April 30th. And everybody who is within the listening area of the United Inland Empire has got to come, get out of the stands. Particularly, this event is designed for those folks that are watching all of this stuff unfold in America, wondering, what can you do? Well, we've got answers for you. We've got solutions. We've got things you can do. The first thing would be show up at this annual conference on April 30th. And we've got some great keynote speakers.
1: Yes. So far, we have Dennis Prager, Larry Elder, Hugh Hewitt, and Joe Pollack of um, Breitbart News who wrote the book, How Trump one. So this is going to be very exciting, and we're going to have some other great announcements coming up. We'll have a California panel on California politics and how we can make some progress here in California. So this is going to be a great not-to-miss event. Plus, as Don was saying, you can link up with other conservative groups, and learn how you can fulfill the obligations of your most important political office. And tickets are on sale, $30 for regular seating. If you want to
2: uh, join in the VIP luncheon, which starts at 1130, Uh, those tickets are 95. They're available at am590.info. That's am590.info. Click on the banner at the rotating banner at the top when it Uh, the advertisement for that comes up and then scroll down on that page for the link
5: in order to be, in order to uh, buy your tickets. Thank you for listening. And we will see you next week on new radio. When you're in an auto accident, you want quality repairs done as fast as possible. All you need is all-star for 20 years, car star all-star collision and Corona has delivered quality work and customer service with honesty and integrity. So when the inevitable happens to you, all you need is car star all-star collision. 951-279-9161.